And now it's time to join your hosts, Tatiana Whitlock and Judy Wells, as they talk with experts and peers from around the country on the topic of being responsibly armed. This six-part series will elevate your safety-first mindset and your view on being responsibly armed. It may or may not include a firearm, but it definitely should include a plan. Visit ResponsiblyArmedRadio.com with your questions, comments, or to learn how to become a sponsor or guest of Responsibly Armed Radio. Now, here are your hosts, Tatiana and Judy, coming to you live, coast to coast, from Maine to California, on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Responsibly Armed Radio, FM 961-1170, The Answer. Responsibly Armed Radio is brought to you today by our title sponsor, U.S. Law Shield, the nation's most comprehensive and affordable legal defense for self-defense programs. There's nothing more important than protecting your family and property. And by joining the U.S. Law Shield community of members, you could count on self-defense coverage with meaningful options that benefit that will uh, make a real difference when it makes it matters the most. For more details, go to uslawshield.com backslash A-A-R-A-R. Sorry about that. R-A-R. So here are your hosts, Tatiana Whitlock and Judy Wells, live on The Answer here in San Diego. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Judy Wells, and welcome to Responsibly Armed Radio. Today, we are asking ourselves the question, What's on your must-read list? I know what's on mine. And I'm Tatiana Whitlock, and we are thrilled to welcome authors and educators Varg Freeborn and Liz Lazarus. To introduce Liz, she's an engineer by education, a consultant and business owner from experience, and an author given her passion to tell stories. Her first novel is loosely based on a personal experience and a series of what-if questions, followed by a foiled attack or following a foiled attack, and she's going to tell us a little bit more about that. Her book, Free of Malice, tells the story of a journalist who grapples with the legal system to acknowledge her right to self-defense. Liz's second novel, Plea for Justice, depicts the journey of a paralegal striving to reveal the truth about her estranged friend's incarceration and leading her on a parallel path of self-discovery. Her recently released thriller, Shades of Silence, showcases the resilience of a woman faced with devastating loss the unexpected friendship forged from a tragedy, and the recurring societal themes that confront every generation. Liz is a member of A Girl and a Gun, the well-armed woman, and is an NRA-certified pistol instructor and range safety officer. Her books are known for their strong female protagonists, thorough research, firearms education, and killer twist endings. We're thrilled to have you, Liz. Thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Also joining us today is Varg Freeborn, author of the book Violence of Mind and his new book Beyond Uda, which I think you're supposed to pronounce O-O-D-A, and owner of Violence Education and Lethal Force, Lethal Force Training. Varg Freeborn is an author, self-defense and gunfight instructor, lethal force educator, fitness coach, a father and a family man. He is a current cadre guest instructor to multiple law enforcement facilities and associations, such as the Ohio Tactical Officers Association and the Alliance Police Training Facility in Ohio, and is well known in the law enforcement and task force communities. His experience with criminal violence, concealment as a field craft, close fighting, especially with weapons, and criminal mindset are unsurpassed in the self-defense industry for the specific lane of civilian criminal violence. 
He's most well known for his book, Violence of Mind, and his, his Violence of Mind coursework in his book, which focuses on the mindset aspect of training and fighting in a way that few have ever been able to approach. Hi, Varg. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me today. So, Dave, I know that we've been talking about ammo, and I know you wanted to ask this question. I, I sure did. You know, for many folks, finding ammo, having the funds to get to the range or into a class can be really tough, especially out here in California. But that doesn't mean your self-defense training, you know, has to stop or be delayed. And there is a massive amount of knowledge at your fingertips and costs less than a trip to Starbucks. But here's the problem, folks. that This stuff is addicting. Once you pick up or start listening to one of our guests, uh, books, you won't be able to put them down. You know, it's true. Both of both of these authors, I read all the time. I'm a voracious reader, and I Me couldn't too. put any of these books down for multiple reasons. So, listen, Varg, this episode is dedicated to pleading a compelling, a compelling case for why reading or listening to audiobooks is a vital part of an individual's self-defense strategy. I really believe that, especially after reading these books. So, Liz, you're more of a fiction writer, and I'm interested in how becoming an author allowed you to reach and educate more people who wanted to be responsibly armed and more responsibly armed-minded people, especially women. Well, that's true. I, I do write fiction, but, you know, they say sometimes truth is uh, stranger than fiction. And um, although my books don't have real-life characters, they, they focus on incidents and events that could happen to anyone. And in addition to that, I do a ton of research. So you know, I talk to lawyers, uh, therapists, doctors, you name it. So because I do a lot of research, my books have facts that are true to life. And, and to your point about focusing on women, my, so far my protagonists have tended to be women. And they've, they've got a struggle or a journey or arc to go through. So I, I think they resonate with women in particular because they can relate to my characters. Yeah, I definitely agree. I ha There were a couple of moments in your books, and even though I read all the scary spy novels, those are actually my favorite books. There is a couple of parts, and one of the, the second book, I think, I was not, it was not okay. The whole, I don't want to give the secret away, but one of the parts was really disturbing to me and could happen in real life, and I think that's why. So, Varg, I know that you write from the other side. Tatiana, we, we had mm -hmm. talked about this, the Varg's books and how intense they are. Absolutely. So, from Varg, your perspective is a nonfiction perspective. It's an absolutely unfiltered, revealing, and for many readers, uh, an uncomfortable truth to listen to about violence. And, of course, this comes from firsthand life experience. Uh, your books have shaken awake many people and dispelled a lot of myths and dangerous attitudes about self-defense, as well as concealed carry. So we'll pose the same question to you. How has this writing style allowed you to reach and educate more people? I think this writing style fills a gap um, concerning what's out there, what's available. So there's, you know, in my estimation, there was a large amount of people that weren't being reached in, in the way that I think they need to be reached. And I think that my writing coming from my experience fills that gap because it's, you know, it's straight to the face and I don't pull any punches on it. It's pretty harsh. And I think that I model it that way based on the experiences because they were harsh and violence is harsh. And those those life lessons and those things that happen through violence are are going to hit a lot harder than that book will. 
Absolutely. Now, I've got to ask this question. I mean, we all came into the self-defense community at different times and phases in our lives. Liz, when did you begin writing? Well, I actually began writing right after my senior year in college, and it was based on a personal experience when I was attacked. So the book, my first book, Free of Malice, I never intended for that to become a novel. It started as my therapy and uh, there were a sequence of events that, that made me decide to turn that into a book. But it really was uh, therapy for me. Fantastic. I wanted to ask, and Varg, go yeah, on. Go ahead, yeah, Varg, you know what? I'm curious. I know that uh, we've gone back and forth. Does, was there a whole thing about it being pronounced O-O-D-A, even though everybody says Uda? Did you tell us that on our, uh, one, another discussion that we had? Uh, personally, I don't nitpick like that. I just call it book beyond Uda because it's a lot more recognizable for people. And when they see it, their brain is going to say Uda anyway. So I just let them go with that. But it is O-O-D-A. Inside the book, it's O period O period D period A period. Yeah, but see, Oda makes them look. Oda makes them curious, I think. The Oda yeah. loop. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to call it that, but I didn't want to keep saying it. And then you'd be thinking, oh, my gosh, he really doesn't even know what didn't it's you called. Do your, didn't you do your homework? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay, so everyone stay tuned. Yep. We're going to come back from a short commercial break, and we're going to dive into a discussion about the powerful, powerful role of art imitating life in the self-defense genre and education with Liz Lazarus. And Responsibly Armed Radio FM 961 AM 1170, The Answer. There is more information still to come with Responsibly Armed Radio on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to Responsibly Armed Radio on The Answer San Diego. Now here are your hosts, Tatiana Whitlock and Judy Wells. All right, folks, welcome back to Responsibly Armed Radio right here on FM 961 AM 1170. The Answer Responsibly Armed Radio is brought to you today by U.S. Law Shield. Responsibly Armed people are signing up in great numbers for the legal defense for self-defense. Plan provided by the U.S. Law Shield. Why? Well, as a law-abiding gun owner, if you need to legally defend yourself, U.S. Law Shield's nationwide network of independent program attorneys will defend you and your freedom. Check out U.S. Law Shield today. Learn more about their amazing programs at uslawshield.com slash R-A-R. Welcome back, folks. Liz, we dropped a little bit of a teaser in the first segment about the fact that your books are written from or stem from real life experiences and often based on people that you know and stories you've heard from people we all know, actually, in the self-defense training community. But I wanted to take a moment and really dive in and have you share the real story. Tell us the details that you're willing to share without giving this book away. Um, of how you got started and what really fueled your first book, Free of Malice. Because for many people, again, fiction, life, art, imitating life, um, the story isn't an unfamiliar one to a lot of women out there. Yeah, sure. Um, so as I mentioned, I, I'm an engineer. I've spent most of my career in business. Um, spent a lot of time at G Healthcare as a, as a manager. I really never intended to write this book, but it just kept nagging me until the point where I couldn't ignore the calling. And that's the best way to describe it. It was a calling. So the first book, Free of Malice, uh, was based on a real event. It was my senior year in college. I was living off campus. 
in a house with two other girls. Went to bed like any other night, and uh, in the middle of the night, I woke up to my bedroom door crashing open. And the first thought that went through my mind is, is this real? The second mind that thought that went through my mind is, this is real, you've got to deal with it. And uh, the guy charged me, and, and the fight was on. And I suppose you never really know what you're made of. I had never even thought of what I would do in a situation like that, but uh, I fought back. And I, I guess because I was fighting so so strongly, uh, all I could think about was getting him away from me, that he, he finally gave up and left. Um, and so for me, writing was my therapy, because nobody back then talked about PTSD. Uh, it was kind of like you were lucky you, you weren't raped to get over it. And, and I felt that way. Like I needed to get over it, but I had all the classic symptoms of PTSD, afraid to be alone, sleep in the dark, all that. So, and so, so Liz, let me ask you a question. If you had had a gun at that time, would you have used it? I would have. And that was, that was what started the book because all I had was a can of mace. And so as he ran away, I grabbed my can of mace and went to the door and saw him retreating. Uh-huh. Um, and I said to my brother-in-law afterward, if I'd had a gun, I would have shot him exactly what you just asked. And he replied, well, lucky you didn't because the way you described it, he was retreating off your property. You would have shot him in the back. That may not have been self-defense. And that's what really sparked my curiosity to write the book, what would have happened to me had I shot the guy. And then I guess the, the clincher why I, I just decided to put pen to paper was a question my mother asked me right after the attack. And it was one of these so atypical questions for my mother. Uh, and it, it sparked the surprise ending. So when I had that surprise ending in mind, I'm like, okay, I've got to write it. See, that's another reason you should have U.S. Law Shield. Because <laughs> yeah. if you'd have shot him, at least you'd have had legal representation, right? So I actually, I actually do have the U.S. lost you. So do I. So do I. So you know, golly, Liz, thank God you you're you're okay. I know it was an emotional experience, and nobody thinks it would ever happen. But this guy came broke into your house, broke into your bedroom. So we know that one in four women will be the victim of a violent attack in their lifetime, and most of them won't even talk about it. So many folks, especially after the last years, have rushed to arms themselves after what's happened to you. Uh, were you compelled to run out and, and, and buy five guns, a shotgun, and, a, and, a, and, a, and an armament? I was. I, I'd i never grown up around guns. My family wasn't pro-gun or anti-gun. It mm. just really never even came into question. But, but after my safety and security were so violently challenged, I decided I wanted a gun. Now, I did what most, a lot of women do, which you shouldn't do. I call it kind of guns 101, what not to do. I, I went with my boyfriend to the range. He picked out the gun he liked and bought it for me and gave it to me. And it, I call it Jeff the Ruger. It's too big for my hand, even though I shoot it pretty well. Um, but I talk about in my second book the right way to select a firearm, to, to have an instructor, to try several, to know what features and characteristics you like. But, yeah, for the first one, I, I kind of did what I hear a lot of women do, which is, just take the advice of someone else versus deciding for themselves what, what firearm they should have. I and did after, I did the same thing. I went out and bought my wife a gun, and she hates Dang. it. She won't shoot it. And, and I'm a car guy. I always tell guys, never buy your wife or girlfriend a car. Let them choose the car. But, oh, no, do you think I would listen? No, and I've been kicking myself ever since. Well, it's, it's not too late, right? No, no, no. I, she's got one now that she loves, right. but I had to go spend more. But now I like her gun because that was a gun I wanted. So it, it worked out. 
And then, you know, I also had the firearm, Jeff the Ruger, for years and kept it unloaded in my nightstand. And so it was only when I started doing more training, when I was researching for my book, that I realized that I was not adapted. I was not trained. Mm. So I started training regularly with a certified instructor because a firearm in your hand when you don't really know what to do with it, especially in a crisis situation, is is not going to have a good outcome. Oh, man. No kidding. Liz, I read your books from, your books have so much information in them, and I actually read them from three different viewpoints. One, being an instructor, a firearms instructor, and so reading it from like, well, what would a new shooter or a new person or someone that was new to the community, how would they read this information? Two, from a new person's perspective of, oh my gosh, or I'm sorry, from an instructor's position of, how would I teach this? This is really interesting. How could I impart this part of the knowledge to my students? And three, from a person of being a victim of a crime myself. So we've got three different ways to look at this book. And not only that, but Laura and Jackie, your main characters, I could totally see myself having coffee with those people. I mean, I had questions for them. And knowing that one of the books was from one of your experiences, I had a ton of questions about that. But what I want to know is, on this this journey that your characters go through, how do you take them on that journey in your books from the initial conflict that they might have to training to the legal system? How does that flow for you when you're writing and for your readers? Well, so I'm glad they're relatable. I'm glad you want to have coffee with them. Uh, but that, that's always something an author loves, loves to hear, that my characters feel real. You know, I try to have each one grow and learn and go through a, a journey through throughout the book. If I talk about all three, so the first one, Free of Malice, my main character is named Laura. She's a journalist. And as I mentioned, she's healing from an attack. So the attack that I actually went through, I had her be, be attached like that in the book. And so it starts with her going through therapy, EMDR training, which is something I never went through, but I put my character through it. Um, and then because she wants a firearm, she learns to shoot. So I go through how she trains, how she selects her firearm and, and the I actually have with her husband who doesn't want her to, to have a firearm. And then the legal case of what would have happened to her had she shot and killed her assailant, especially if he was fleeing off her property. And I worked with several lawyers to, to write that legal case. So, um, so that's how that book came together and flowed pretty quickly for me. Um, I wasn't planning to write another book. That was it, one and done, based on my attack. But the reviews and feedback were so positive that I decided to write the second one, Plea for Justice. And my main character there, unlike Laura, who was attacked, she is, um, she's got low self-confidence. So I wanted her to grow in her self-confidence through both firearms training, learning to carry, but also taking self-defense courses. And again, I have a legal case. This time she's looking at all the uh, facts around her friend who's been incarcerated and never had a trial and went to prison. And then I guess the last one that just came out, Shades of Silence, my lead is, is uh, her name's Juliana named for Juliana that we all know, and uh, her husband has disappeared. So she is dealing with that. She's dealing with a murder at her restaurant. She learns to shoot a shotgun, and I worked extensively with a detective to write the murder case in, in the book. So they all have something they're learning and growing. I have an element of firearms. I have always a twist ending, and it just seems to be a formula that works. So when you're doing a movie... Oh, you tell me, I tell you, anybody who gets me to a movie, I will let them have a cameo in it. Um, <laughs> from your mouth to God's ears. Well, because, you now, know, you it have... so, it sounds to me like, and by the way, Judy has all your books in front of her. 
She looked like a little pack mule coming in today. But but you know that those I think are the type of movies like you know Netflix or HBO. Those those look like a show, a movie that should should be picked up. You need to get an agent. Dave, Are you kidding? Can you do that? You help me with that. You help you me with that, that Dave. I'm sure I can. Can. Let me do. Let Dave. me see what I can do for you. I, <laughs> well, I wanted to take an opportunity and read some reviews, and I encourage our listeners to go onto Goodreads.com, look up our authors, and t- spend some time reading the reviews. There's some incredible feedback. So I wanted to share one uh, review from the book Free of Malice. Uh, reader Holly writes. Well-researched is the term that comes to mind when I reflect on free of malice. While reading, I learned much about legal mental health professionals and law enforcement approaches to assault and self-defense. Interestingly enough, the thriller explores victims' rights and where those rights intersect and or conflict with an attacker's rights and those of any innocent bystanders. She isn't alone in her sentiments. Holly is, agrees with many of the readers that your books are well-researched legally and echo the themes of like knowledge across all of your other novels. Can you explain how you go about ensuring you're teaching the right information, although this is fiction, from a legal standpoint in your books? Well, but because I'm an engineer, not a lawyer, I consult with uh, experts, including lawyers. For Free of Malice, I actually consulted with three criminal defense lawyers, and they all gave me the same feedback. So here I was thinking I would shoot this guy after he had attacked me, I would call 911, I would be the hero, and end of story. And what they all told me was no. Uh, you would probably have been taken in, questioned, denied bond, waited several years for your trial. Um, and so it was really eye-opening for me to realize what could have happened to me. So whether it's talking to lawyers, doctors for the EMDR, uh, the, the police detective for the murder investigation, I, I rely on experts to make sure that my content is accurate. Um, and it's, it's really important to know the law because the, the reason I wrote Free of Malice and did the book tour was because I wanted to educate people because there was information I did not know. Wow. So stay tuned, folks. Segment three is coming up, and we're going to explore the gut check of nonfiction writing and its role in your personal self-defense strategy with Arthur Fogg, Bard Freeborn. All right, folks. It's Responsibly Armed Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. There is more information still to come with Responsibly Armed Radio on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to Responsibly Armed Radio with Tatiana Whitlock and Judy Wells. Now here's your hosts, Tatiana and Judy, on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome back to FM 961 AM 1170, Responsibly Armed Radio. And uh, no one wants to be the victim of a crime. Having a self-defense mindset, preparing and planning for the worst-case scenario is common sense. Having U.S. Law Shield at your side also makes a lot of sense, especially dollars and cents. And the founders of the company were intent on breaking the mold by providing affordable legal coverage through the Legal Defense for Self-Defense program. Are you ready for this? $10.95 a month. You can't even buy breakfast for $10.95 a month. So for more details, go to uslawshield.com slash R-A-R. 
The segment is also sponsored by Howell's Gun Shop. If you happen to be in Maine, you can check these guys out. They're a premier indoor range and firearms retailer. Join us in Gray, Maine for a family and friendly shopping experience and head into their state-of-the-art ranges to make some noise. Not sure where to start? We'll take your first gun safety lesson. Hunter safety or concealed carry courses with their nationally recognized instructors. Howl's promoting safe and responsibly firearm ownership since 1983. You can visit them online at howlsgunshop.com, and you might run into Tatiana if you're lucky. It's entirely possible I might be there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome back, everybody. This segment, we want to turn the questions to Varg. Varg, your writing has been a game changer for so many people. I can't say that enough, myself included. Violence of Mind, your first published book, was a literal gut check on mindset. And I know that term is the one that's overused and misused quite a bit, as well as the term violence and extreme violence. But you've spent the last two novels of yours really exploring how real violence is, and I'm not the only one who had that opinion. One reader, Timothy Peterson, wrote on Goodreads.com, I got this book after it was recommended by an officer who came during late evenings when I was at the store I work at when we talked about the topic of self-defense. This book has blown away all false perceptions of self-defense that I had. If you truly wish to take defense seriously, Varg Freeborn knows what it takes to have a true defensive mindset. I admit my pride was hurt at times, so you'll need humility to accept what he says, for he knows what he's talking about. For those who don't yet know about violence of mind, can you explain your goal and what you were trying to achieve through your life experiences with that book? Sure. I think with violence of mind, I was really shooting to fill a huge gap in what I've seen being caught in the self-defense and firearms communities. Now, you have to think I was formulating the idea of many of these concepts 10 years ago. So uh, a lot has changed since then, and things have gotten a lot better in that time. Uh, And I hope that I did my part in bringing that, you know, to fruition with my book. But there was there was a huge gap in information. I wanted to bring something that was um, more cautionary than a how-to, but also some how-to involved with it. Uh, I wanted people to look at the perspectives of violence from from experience and and not just experience, but negative experiences. I had very negative experiences with violence. I don't think that there's many positive experiences with violence, honestly, but I had some extremely negative ones, and that was what drove the the nature and the targeting of the book and the concepts in the book. Um, When we talk about mindset, and in particular mission, and being clear about what your personal mission is, and then being prepared through the lens of that mission in, in, in adherence to what that mission would dictate. Um, that's just, you know, no fantasy land stuff, no ego. It's selecting the right equipment, selecting the right training, selecting the right protocols and procedures that you would use in a situation that are tuned to you. You're not going to act like a law enforcement officer if you're a civilian and vice versa and so on. So just having all those tied together was really, uh, I think, the key to try to bring realistic viewpoint of violence that wasn't glorifying it, that was also very cautionary in saying, like, if you can avoid this, you know, 
avoid it because it's terrible and it's life-changing. Um, but then some serious how-to stuff and, and how to really dive in and start, you know, an introductory level of how to begin to prepare for that. Well, I haven't read the book yet, which I'm borrowing books from Judy one at a time. And she told me it scared the snot out of her, okay? Not in those words. Not, Not in those words. No, that, it was much worse, <laughs> but we are on radio. Uh, so it sounds to me like your writing is extremely powerful. You make no apologies. And I think that's the way you should write. You know, no, no cookie cutter stuff. Get it into your face about how high order predators and man, uh, you know, j- you just can't put these, these books down. So you, you just published your second book, Beyond, Beyond Oda. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that book picks up where violence of minds left off without giving away any plots? Uh, sure. It's, um, it's, it's a nonfiction, so it's not a novel, so there aren't any plots, but there is definitely some uh, concepts. There's three sections to the book, and in those three sections, I, I walk the reader through the process of understanding decision-making and orientation. Um, and I think that most of all, I matured as a writer from book one to book two, and that's evident. The book is more refined. Beyond Uda is more refined. It's more researched. Uh, it's more well edited, for sure. Um, but this is all a process of, you know, becoming a better writer and being more targeted with this book. As the other book was introductory and broad, Violence of Mind, this book is very specific and points directly to making decisions under pressure acting under pressure, and most importantly, understanding how other people make decisions, good guys and bad guys alike. So Beyond Uda is just as information-rich as violence of mind. Um, In fact, you do a brilliant job of exploring thoroughly through the self-defense lens, a sociology term that I haven't heard of since before I went to art school and did some dabbling in sociology called sociological imagination, or the ability to see things socially and how they interact and influence with each other. To have a sociological imagination, a person must be able to pull away from the situation and think from an alternative viewpoint. This ability is central to someone's development of a sociological perspective on the world. And that's something that I've heard of kind of in the bubble of the science realm, but I'm living in the self-defense community. Somehow I just hadn't connected those dots until you published this book. Tell us more. I think so. Orientation is the basis of all decisions and actions, and all of our actions come from our decisions. So decision-making is based on our orientation, which is a repository of our genetic and cultural inputs, our experiences, and so forth. Everything that that colors what we see in the world and how we decide to interact with it, that's our orientation. And that's brought about by everything that we've experienced in our life. Uh, Where I differ from the sociological imagination perspective is that I don't ask the person to step outside of themselves to see an alternative viewpoint. I ask them to see the similarities in processes from themselves to uh, people who are different than them. Um, you need to spend time around and study the, you know, cultures from other places other than where you're from. And not just, not just ethnically or, you know, different nationalities, but uh, urban or rural cultures where you live and uh, criminal culture in particular in your own country or race or society or wherever you happen to be. Uh, so if you just if you stay homogenous in all of your experiences with people, it's very hard for you to understand the values and the 
the traditions and how uh, culture colors people's decision making if all you see is your own culture and you don't understand really what goes into it. But at the basis of it, we all make decisions the same way. So if you understand that your your cultural values and your own value system and your own experiences and the things that you were taught about whatever the topic is you're making a decision about, if you understand that that's how you arrive at your decision, then you understand that this person who's different than you arrives at their decision the same way based on the same criteria, although it's different, but the formula and the process is the same. This allows you to understand someone much better. Um, it's very different than the making the bad guy like uh, uh, completely different than you and you're supposed to be scared and you don't understand them and they don't think like you. It's more like everyone has an orientation. Everyone has decision-making processes that work the same way. Uh, our confidence and our abilities, um, how we reconcile moral conflicts, how we avoid moral injuries, this is all done within the orientation and it's it's manipulatable, but it's not easy. It takes a long time. And to first be able to work with that, you have to understand what does your own culture say about violence and people who commit violence, and also what do other cultures you may deal with think about those things. That was really an interesting thought that you presented, and I don't remember which book it was, but it was the first time I thought that that guy has a OODA loop like I do, and my job was kind of to destroy disrupt that and it goes both ways right we we have an idea of who and what we're facing but our attackers also thinking the same thing and going through the same process that we are and how do we stop that's one of the ways we can stop it is by interrupting their OODA loop we have like a couple minutes left can you address that yeah I don't particularly use OODA loop and my book is named beyond OODA because I go beyond that concept um, I respect everything that Lieutenant Colonel John Boyd did when he developed OODA Loop, but I really was very interested in his work on orientation specifically. I think orientation is the, the key. I think that is the most important part. Uh, so I don't refer to it as like getting inside someone's OODA Loop or disrupting it, even though that, that does apply somewhat. Um, I think that understanding orientation really gives you the, the keys to everything in communications and violence and relationships and what have you. So I think looking at it from that way, rather than looking at it through the loop processes is a lot more productive and uh, more fruitful. Um, I've walked on both sides of the subject. So I can talk about what, you know, criminals think, what bad people think, uh, what angry people think. And I can talk about you know, this side of the tracks where, where people are training and people are trying to be defenders and, and whatnot. So I can tell from both sides of the, of the tracks, I've dealt extensively on both sides of those with thought processes. And that's, you know, it, it's a concept that it, it separates you from thinking things like everyone is different than me and I can't understand them. So you start to think, okay, we're not that different, right? And yeah. you're all right. Yeah, hey, exactly. Bart, we're gonna have to take a quick break. Got to pay some bills. You folks are listening to Responsibly Armed Radio. Don't go anywhere on FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer.
There's more safety first information still to come with Responsibly Armed Radio on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to Responsibly Armed Radio on The Answer San Diego. Now, here are your hosts, Tatiana Whitlock and Judy Wells. All right, welcome back. Responsibly Armed Radio is brought to you today by U.S. Law Shield. Do you remember Jack Wilson when a gunman opened fire in a Texas church in December of 2019? Well, Jack acted quickly to save the lives of his congregation. He was truly a responsibly armed American hero. Jack had something at his side also responsibly armed people should consider. U.S. Law Shield and their legal defense for self-defense program. Jack Wilson has been a member of U.S. Law Shield since 2013. Check out his story and what Jack had to say about his membership at uslawshield.com slash R-A-R. This segment is also sponsored by a Girl and a Gun Women's Shooting League. A Girl and a Gun Women's Shooting League is a shooting club established by women for women. At a Girl and a Gun event, you can get firearms training and be surrounded by women who are encouraging and knowledgeable and ask questions in a safe and non-judgmental environment. It's a place to improve your marksmanship and meet like-minded women. I want to mention also that Tatiana is our national training director. Become a member today at agirlandagun.org. Hey, Var, just out of curiosity, what does OODA stand for since we've been sort of messing around with it? Okay, so a man named uh, John Boyd, uh, specifically Lieutenant Colonel John Boyd, developed this concept, Observe, Orient, Decide, Act. And that's what those stand for. Uh, Unfortunately, it's almost always explained improperly, and I think it's misunderstood uh, most commonly. Uh, so I try to avoid even uh, discussing it much because I think that it's not productive. But um, the orientation concept is what Boyd really honed in on in his last probably 20 years of work. So that's where I like to stay um, yeah. in the interest. But that's yep. that's perfectly fine. That that was a great that was a good explanation. So mm-hmm. we need to. I know we want to get everybody's information and website and all that, but I do want to make a really strong statement here. Um, Varg, your first book gave me and I know many other women that I've talked to permission to not be a hero and to carry for your own self-protection and that of your family, even though I had friends saying, why aren't you, uh, why wouldn't you protect me? Why wouldn't you protect me in a situation? And I'd always have to struggle with that until I read your book, which really gave me the mission, which is to go home and be safe and just to protect myself and my family. However, I have to say that your second book, after reading your first first book, I was all strong and I can do this and I have permission. And then I read the second book, Beyond Uda, and I was like, okay, wait, I really, really need to think about, could I be capable of extreme violence? And that is the question that I posed to, I had a women's panel a couple of days ago. I had 20 women at this group. We sat down and we talked about that exact thing. You all are training. What do you need to do to prepare yourself for extreme violence? Can you do it? So I'd like you to speak to that. I think that um, you have to, first of all, in terms of mission, you have to really nail that down clearly. Without that, you can't prepare for it properly. What I mean by that is there's a lot of people that say they're they're doing training and carrying a gun to protect themselves and make home to their family. But yet at the same time, 
they're willing to jump into any fight that they find. And now that's a discrepancy between mission and action. And I think that if you train to, to defend yourself and your family, and then you're going to jump into any fight that you see happening anywhere, um, even before you know the information about who's who in the fight, then you're going to get yourself into trouble, right? So I don't, I don't condone or you know shame anyone for either way of staying out of fights or getting into them. But I say that you need to be clear about that mission before you start training, before you start buying gear, before you step out of your door every single day. If you do want to jump into defend anyone that you see being victimized anywhere, then you have to be clear about that mission with yourself and clear about preparing for that and also clear with your family and tell them every day when you leave, like, hey, I might not come back because I defend some stranger. And maybe I get, you know, shot or killed or in the process, but that I'm willing to take that risk. But the point is, if you're honest beforehand, what you end up doing is going to be a lot more confident because you know for sure what you're preparing for. So when it happens, you're prepared for it and you're mentally prepared for it as well as physically. So that's the most important point to that, I think, is having that mission clear and setting your objectives out in your mission and then knowing what within those parameters you have to do so when it comes up there's no question you just do it absolutely liz i have the great privilege of working with thousands of women and their families from around the usa via a girl and a gun Um, i'd like to share another review uh, from goodreads.com because i uh, couldn't agree more with this reader's information. And I also want to express just how often I recommend your books to my students, especially mothers who are having older daughters going through similar experiences to your characters. And because it's a fiction book, it's able to reach them in a way that a how-to book might not, because of the informality that comes through from fiction. So this reader on Goodreads writes, No one knows how they will be affected after a home invasion or attempted rape. Your personal space has been violated. The sanctity of the safety you feel in your home has been shredded. Laura, the main character, could not get over the attack, and the attacker had promised to return. The once confident woman was afraid of every sound, every shadow. She slowly imploded on herself. And like I mentioned, this resonates with so many women I've worked with across the country. Being able to hand them or recommend them your books is such a powerful tool in not just reaching them, but helping them take their next steps in healing and refusing to be victimized again. And I know I'm not alone here. Well, first, I just have to say, wow, because for you to recommend my books, you're, you're a top-notch instructor, so I'm, I'm beyond flattered. Um, you know, I have to say I was on a book tour, ended up going to about 20 states across the nation, and no matter what state I was in, after my book talk and I was doing the signings, at least one woman would come up to me and tell me her story, and it, it was without exception. Every time, at least one person had a story, and, you know, they had been attacked one way or another, or a victim one way or another, and they were choosing to find a way to defend themselves. And I find that my fans tend to be people who've had an event in their life or they've lost their security, whether it's divorced or widowed, they've lost that security and realize they need to protect themselves. And, and I look back to my own attack. The first person I called was my neighbor because he was the first person that could get to me uh, and protect me even before I called 911. And now the first person I need to call is myself because I have taken the training and and learned how to protect myself. But uh, 
thank you for recommending the books. I hope they find them entertaining, but also educational. I know that we have a, Dave has a question. I have a question. T has another question, but I don't want to run out of time. So I'd like Varg first to give us all the ways that we could get a hold of you, your website, your classes that you teach, shameless self-promotion. And then I'd like to pass it to Liz to do the same. Uh, yes, my books are available on Amazon. Violence of Mind is available all three formats. And right now, Beyond Uda is paperback and Kindle, but will be audiobooks soon, both on Amazon. My website is vargfreeborn.com, and that's pretty much the central way you get a hold of me. Uh, anywhere on social media, I'd be Varg Freeborn, but I'm not huge on social media, so uh, that's how you'll find me. Liz? So my website is lizlazarus.com. And there are samples of all three of my books, so you can kind of try a few chapters before you buy. They are on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, and there are links to those, those two on my website. And they are paperback, ebook, and the first two are audiobook. The third one should have the audiobook out in the next month or so. So, so Liz, you got another book in the works? I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark, Mark, now were you a writer? Did you be, or, or is this something that you this these experiences pushed you into being an author, kind of like Liz? Um, actually, it's different for me. I always wanted to be a writer. That was something I wanted uh, to do since I was a kid. So this gave me basically an avenue to do it to start it. I hope to branch out into other subjects. Yeah, because how do you find a topic? You know, if you want to be a writer. You know, is that something I, I think it has to, in Liz's case, it wasn't something that she was striving to be yeah. in yours. It was. But yet the end result seems like it came out the same way. You have to find something that, you know, to start with. You can't you can't write about something you don't know. Well, you got to start with something, you know, that something that moves you. Yeah. And then you can you can go from there. Well, I, I do a lot of interviews. I do a lot of reading. And I learned a long time ago that if you don't read the whole book. It's really hard to do an interview. And I thought, eh, it's a topic I love. How bad could it be? It was the most demoralizing and embarrassing experience I ever, ever had. And I swore I would never do it again. I will read that book. I don't care how big it is, cover to cover. Then I'll interview the author, and it makes for such a, a great. But you two guys are apps. I don't know how Judy and Tatiana does this. We've been doing this how many years now? A couple of years? Wow. And I have yet to have a, a, a show that I start humming and hawing and yawning and thinking, well, this will be over pretty soon. So I really want to give publicly hats Thank off you. to two young ladies that have never done radio before in their lives as, as long as they've been doing it. And I can't, can't thank them enough. And Liz and, and, and Vark, you guys are phenomenal. I can't thank you enough. So thank you for joining us today on Responsibly Armed Radio. Both of you, I loved your books. I uh, recommend them to everyone that I come that is in the, my community. I would like to take a moment to tell our listeners you can find us on all podcasts, iTunes, Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and many other platforms. Thank you to our title sponsor, U.S. Law Shield. Thank you to our segment sponsors, Howell's Gun Shop, A Girl and a Gun, and Discount Gun Mart. Affiliates and friends of the show include the AC Foundation, Gun Odor Radio, and the DC Project. Links to all of these companies and resources, as well as you can find the books from these amazing authors on our show notes and at responsiblyarmedradio.com. Until we talk again, be safe, be smart, and be responsibly armed. Have a good afternoon.